Hello, and welcome to an 85-page outlined version of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be reviewing 2021's King Richard. We'll go into our five points of inspection with Identity Crisis, Sports Crutch, The Brandy Bunch, Print the Legend, and Mind the Gap. But before we do, let's go ahead and check in on the shop. No, no, listen, I, I respect the question. The thing is, we, we've gotten offers from Ford, Ferrari, General Motors. They all want us to sign an exclusive contract. But, you know, what they're all offering pales in comparison to what the Hollywood Chop Shop could be. Um, we built a customer base, and they come back to us because of the quality of service we can provide. At the end of the day, Jim, $3 million from Ford, that's peanuts when it's all said and done. I'm a little confused. This is just a marketing ploy, right? I, I like using the local media to promote the shop, but we, we didn't actually get a $3 million offer, right? I mean, first of all, didn't that look good on TV? Great promotion. And uh, technically, yeah, we, we got that offer. But come on, baby. This is uh, where we hit the horn and pop the corn. A little extra butter, you know? Three million dollars that that's unheard of that that could have really helped our shop uh, forget the shop right the world never respected travis santana it never respected brett mosher but they're gonna respect the hollywood chop shop three million dollars feels like an awful lot of respect but you know what let's just see how this plays out in the meantime let's go ahead and review king richard Richard Williams knows his daughters are destined for greatness because he's already outlined it in an 84-page plan he wrote before they were even born. The question is, can Richard keep his girls focused on being champions and having fun while the constant threat of gangs and predatory businessmen loom around every corner? In an incredible story we already know the end to, we must stick to the plan because to fail the plan is to plan to fail. Alrighty, Travis. We'll get into some five points of inspection in just a second, but before we do, I would love to hear your quick diagnostic. Of King Richard. Uh, well, as you know, and maybe the audience will find out now, uh, this is the first movie in our Sports Dad trilogy. Um, I'm predisposed to love sports movies. Um, so I think I might like this more than most. Um, but I still get the feeling that this was only made to try to get Will Smith an Oscar, so... It's uneven. Uh, we'll get into details yeah. in five points, but what's your general thought? Uh, I did enjoy the movie. Um, I think it was a little long. Um, I don't know where exactly I would pull it out because one of my biggest gripes is actually, I think, something that was missing, which we'll get into. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think it's an interesting trend where I'm wondering because I guess Will Smith was a major producer. And I'm like, you know, for the longest time, I've always, you know, you've seen like an actor or something as an executive producer in a movie. Usually, to me, it was always after a sequel, like, you know, oh, Star Wars became huge, so now all the actors want to throw some money into it to get some money back. But, like, coming off of Red Notice and all that, I'm wondering if we're entering into a new era of cinema where basically 
you have veteran and seasoned actors or, you know, the top tier actors of Hollywood are just going to start funding their own projects. Like to your point, like, is this kind of a masturbatory, you know, practice with Will Smith? He just wants that Oscar. So he saw this as an Oscar worthy like story. And he's like, you know what? I'll fund it because by God, I'm going to get that fucking award one day. And like, that's my only concern and not as necessarily anything directed toward this movie, but just as an observation of the industry as a whole, like, because like you said, Will Smith was heavily involved with this. So is this just a, and I know, you know, as I'm saying this, you know, was it Stallone was, you know, notoriously involved with all of his stuff in the eighties, but like, it just feels different these days. I don't know. Well, I mean, nothing says masturbatory like Rocky three, four and five. So, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, and I think to keep it on that cynical route, you know, Will Smith puts his money behind this because he he knows that it's going to be easy. Well, not easy, but it's going to be Oscar bait to play Richard Williams. But in a world of, you know, everything has to be tied to an IP, this also conveniently ties to arguably the greatest tennis player of all time and her sister, who all, also happens to be an all-time great. So it's not the Avengers, but it still kind of checks that box. Yep, so with that, I think it's a great... I don't know, do you want to go into Identity Crisis or Sports Crutch first? Because I feel like they kind of... They'll probably wind up bleeding into each other a little bit. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on Identity Crisis first. So, one of the things I thought was interesting about this movie is, to me, I think the movie couldn't decide if this was a Richard Williams biopic or a Venus Williams origin story. And I think because... I understand that Venus and Serena's, you know accomplishments are so much tied to to Richard and kind of like that parentage type thing where you know not necessarily living vicariously through your children but necessary but you know he was their coach and the stepping stones to get them to where they are so it's it's hard not to wrap them into it and talk about him but I felt like again I said this movie was too long and I feel like some of it was where they were really trying to focus on Venus Williams and especially the back half of the movie, what was going on with her. And as she tried to, you know, excel and she was becoming more and more popular. And I felt like at that point, Richard was, was kind of getting the back seat. And like I said, I just felt like they had a hard time towing that line between, are we really going to focus on Richard Williams? Because I'll tell you right now, I think a lot of this movie is missing what made him controversial because I'll tell you, I am not super savvy in the sports world. I only know about Venus and Serena Williams. So the whole idea of like they had a controversial father, I'm like, I had no idea what made him controversial. And even through this film, I'm like, I still don't have a firm grasp of why he was controversial because he was kind of an overbearing father or anything like that. And then like I started reading some of the stuff that he did that wasn't in the movie. I'm like, okay, I get it now. Like this was a basically a teaser for me to go and figure out why he was considered a controversial figure. But I don't think that they played into that as much as they could have. Like to me, he just seemed like, okay, he was a very protective father, but that didn't make him controversial. Yeah. To your point, by also focusing so much on Venus, it allows the movie to cheat and only show us the best parts of Richard Williams. Because yeah, to your point, I guess outsiders in this movie, view him as controversial and make comments. You know, I'm thinking about the first business meeting at the country club uh, with, uh, I think, Dylan McDermott. You know, the white establishment sees him as controversial, 
but it's only through drop dialogue because the rest of the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, he was going to make him walk home from the grocery, but that was quickly shot down. I think that's the worst thing he technically does in the movie. Um, and as soon as I saw that, you know, the family was on board, you know, and their executive producers in their own right, I knew this movie was going to pull its punches. So I was kind of prepared for that. Not to say it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and to that point, like, I appreciate them being involved. And like, I will say in seeing, you know, how involved they were, like, obviously, they want to put him in a, a, a more positive light, because the media pretty much portrayed him as kind of a controversial asshole. And I'm like, that's great. But I wanted to see the actual duality of him. Like, I wanted to see more clips of him just being, like, kind of more aggressive towards the media or towards his coaches and towards the coaches. Because, like, they'll talk about stories about, like, how he would just yell and scream at people. But then at home, he was just quiet. You know, he was kind and he was daddy and I love you, daddy, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I got that half of Richard Williams. I did not get the half where it was just like he's unbearable to be around. Or like, you know, with with Coach Paul, where Coach Paul is like, hey, I, I'm teaching her. Like, let me do it. That's what that's what I'm here for. I'm giving you this for free. Like, you need to back up. But even then, I'm just like, he was just kind of like, he was a light version of a dance mom. Like, he wasn't even aggressive in that. I'm like, okay, like, he's brought her up from nothing. He was her coach. Like, of course, he's going to want to, like, have a little bit more interactivity with, with the coaching lessons. So, again, I just, I never felt like they got to a point where they portrayed him as just being a total controversial asshole. The The biggest moment they got is when they were doing the interview, and he gets up and he goes, "She's a, she answered confidently, she's a 16-year-old girl, let her be a 16-year-old girl, like, stop pushing it. I'm like, he was totally in the right for that, the way that that scene is filmed. Like, yeah, she's a 16-year-old girl, and he's making sure that she doesn't say something that's going to get her in trouble, especially being the first African-American female in the sport and all that. So it's like, again, I just, because it pulled its punches, it it did have an issue for me a little bit there, where it's like, it it kind of towed that line again, where am I looking at a biopic on Richard, or am I looking at Venus's origin story? And the thing is, it, it doesn't have to be over the top, but it should at least be framed as the kids being embarrassed of him at times, because I think that's a universal feeling as a kid at one point or another, your parents are going to embarrass you with their behavior. You know, how extreme that is may vary, but I don't even think this movie reaches that point with Richard. Mm -hmm. And and that's a mistake. Cause yeah, like you said, I want to see that duality and that, I don't know where we can fit this in, but the one moment of darkness that I kind of perked up at, is when he's going to take revenge on the gangbanger that's messing with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And the world's most convenient drive-by occurs and spares him of that. Right, and apparently that wasn't even real. Because, again, I looked up a lot of this afterward. Like, So this is another one of these like Red Notice, just so the audience understands. Like, We watched this last night, and we're reviewing today because of the, the release schedule in this movie. So like, I immediately went sort of doing research on this movie after I watched it. Apparently that was a little bit of a fabrication. Like... He did get into tussles with the gangs and stuff like that. And there was, in I guess he wrote in his like memoir, there was a moment where one of the leaders of, of a gang or something like that that beat him up, he was driving down the street and he saw the cops surrounding him because he was dead on the ground. Like he didn't actually experience or watch the gangbang and he never went and hunted down gangsters or anything like that. He did bring a shotgun with him to the tennis courts at a certain point to scare away when they started like getting a little a little too close and all that. But like it wasn't to the degree because to your point, like that was I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be where like a defining moment for his character where like 
oh my, is he going to kill the person to defend his family? Like, that was to me one of the most tense moments in the movie because I'm like, on one hand, I am totally behind him. Like, he needs to protect his kids and if they're going to keep, you know, coming around and being aggressive, like, he's got to do something. On the other hand, what's this going to do to him as a character if he just murders somebody, you know, even if it is in, you know, a minority report style, you know, self-defense? Like, oh, they're going to do something in the future, so I'm going to take care of it now. Yeah, to your point, other than the sports moments, that's the only moment of dramatic tension for me in this movie. And you're telling me he brought a shotgun to the court. Stick closer to the truth in that case. I think it would just be just as compelling if he's, you know, in the van holding the shotgun, thinking something's going to happen and it doesn't, rather than this ex des machina of... Uh, this drive-by occurring right in front of him before he's about to make a life-changing decision one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, which I think kind of leads naturally into Print the Legend. And maybe we've covered it, but... Again, I don't... understand why you make this movie if you're not going to take a little more risk with Richard Williams' character. It, it very much feels like a script was written and a lot of stuff was excised and a lot of stuff was softened. And it keeps this movie from being anywhere close to great. I enjoyed it, but it felt like a puff piece on the Williams family. Mm. And I mean, what about all of his other kids? Like, thought, how do they feel? I thought the same thing when they put so much attention on Venus and Serena, even though, like, and apparently that was an add-in, like, the family was like, no, there were five girls in the back of that van. There were five girls living in the house. Like, make sure you're depicting that, because it's, it's a major part of what was going on. But, like, yeah, Serena and Venus were the only, like, they were biological sisters, and they were the only children of Brandy and... Richard, everyone else, those were all half-siblings and stuff like that. And yeah, Richard had quite a few other children. So, and to me, that was never really brought up in the movie. And I don't know if that was intentional, again, because the family's like, well, yes, he wasn't our biological father, but he was still a father to us. Because it made, it brought so much more to the line when he, when, uh, Brandy and, and Richard are fighting in Florida. And he goes, who would you have been without me? You would have been in a hotel with three girls daddyless. And I'm like... Okay, what does that mean? Like, where? What is exactly? And that essentially, what it is is like there. The other three girls' father died, and then that's when she got with Richard. So I'm like, that's context I did not get in the movie and did not understand. And like after going back and researching, I'm like, okay, that that line makes a lot more sense to me now that those three are sisters because up until that point, I honestly thought they were all his biological daughters, and then he had another biological son that showed up out of nowhere that they just kind of you know brought up in in a passing comment. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate you giving me that context because I did not understand that fight in Florida fully. And I guess that's where I'm thinking they had an opportunity to make this, I don't know if messy is the right word, but that's a messy situation. If you have an estranged son showing up and to just kind of drop that in a line of dialogue out of nowhere and never bring it back up, that's why Richard never felt like a real character. It felt like an Oscar bait role. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of this goes into Mind the Gap. Um, 
and and this that whole this section is about like there's just pieces missing of this movie and i think and like almost a, a tarantino style where like okay this is the movie we got but there's like another six hour version of this movie that has been shot and edited that maybe we'll get on netflix one day our hbo max will get you know an extended cut of this movie as tarantino is notorious for doing but like the biggest uh, moment for me was when the family moves to florida they get to florida they show up at, at Macy's camp and all that. The girls get introduced and all that. And then it's like a hard cut. It's a cool transition to her throwing up the ball to show, oh, how much time, you know, time has passed and all that. But basically, she throws up the ball. And the next scene is Richard talking to like a reporter or something like that. And, you know, oh, you're such a controversial person, Richard, and all that. I'm like, that's the part I'm missing. You can't give that to me and throw away dialogue. Like, I need to see that he's controversial. I'm not going to just take your word at it. You know, and that was to me like that was a huge piece that's missing, even if it was a montage or what. But I'm like, I never I never get the sense that he's he's any kind of controversial character. And like the reason I think he is, is again, doing research on the role <laughs> on the source material. Richard, at one point when he was training his daughters, there's stories of him and not stories. I mean, it's true. He would throw beer bottles in the back court so that there was glass so that Serena and Venus wouldn't go into the back to, to chase balls. Like, holy, that's controversial. Like, that's kind of crazy. And again, plays into the whole like, OK, why maybe somebody would think he's abusing his kids, which is another part where I thought I never understood the what any of that controversy was about. Um, Richard would pay neighborhood children to come and heckle venus and serena while they were playing in compton so that like they wouldn't get nerves if they were playing in front of other audiences and then not only that here's the biggest thing they didn't have to live in compton richard deliberately moved them into the ghetto because he felt that people like grew in like became stronger living in the ghetto and he had like malcolm x was an example um i forget uh, Muhammad Ali. So he actually actively moved his family into the ghetto because he thought that that would harden them. And I'm like, okay, that's the kind of stuff that needed to be in this movie because there is context to why people would consider him controversial. Yeah, I did. I did not know any of that. And all of that can still be portrayed in a very PG-13 way. And flesh out Richard as a, again, the duality of it. And uh, I didn't do any research. Uh, I, I was passingly familiar with Richard because I'm more of a sports fan than you, but the thing about deliberately moving them to Compton, I mean, you're aware what happened to Yatunde mm -hmm. yeah. in real life. Yeah. She was killed in a gang shooting. So you're telling me if Richard Williams knowingly put them in that environment and didn't have to, and then ultimately it leads to the death of one of the kids, is that not something that's worth mentioning in this movie? I was actually very surprised knowing how involved the family was that there was not a in memory of Tunde anywhere in this movie. Like, and I understand they're trying to keep it optimistic and you don't want to end it within 2003. She was, you know, the victim of a, a gang drive-by, but I don't even know if it was a drive-by. I think a gang suspected her and her boyfriend of trying to, like, enter a crack house or something like that. And they just shot up the, the vehicle that they were in. And later it was basically, they weren't trying to get drugs or anything. So, like, they were just basically innocent bystanders in the whole thing. But I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a, a big deal. To your point, like... She was only in that environment because she grew up there because you brought her there. 
Right. Yeah, yeah I... Such a missed opportunity. But again, I guess it didn't bother me as much watching it because I expected it going in. But I didn't know some of this, you know, the glass in the backcourt, you know, paying kids to heckle them. That's all stuff that needed to be on screen. And even because, then, like, and like you said, the neighbor, I even wrote down, I'm like, what's up with a bitch of a neighbor? Yeah. And that never, it never goes into any detail as about why they, I'm like, I just assumed it's because Richard is kind of a smart ass. And like that line he delivers in the first like 10 minutes of the movie when he's like, oh, maybe your daughter needs to be educated. I'll bring her a book. What corner is she on again? I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I like Richard. Like, he does not hold back. But again, it's one of those things I'm like, the neighbor seems to have legitimate concern for the children. But as the audience, I never get that. I never understand. She just seems like a meddlesome bitch. She never comes off as like legitimately like it seems more like a, a place of envy than a place of legitimate concern. You know, exactly. I got more of a she was attracted to Richard and this was kind of her way of like being a scorned lover and getting revenge because it doesn't the movie doesn't depict Richard in a negative light. Yeah, and I even thought it was my takeaway, and this is interesting that we had different, my takeaway was that she thought, oh, Richard, you think you're too good for us, so I'm going to put you down. That was the take I got was like, oh, you think you're better than everybody out here because, you know, you're teaching your daughters, you know, to, to re, or, you know, putting emphasis on their education and they how often they bring up that their girls are straight A students and valedictorians and like, oh, I'm going to have tennis champs. And like, I thought it was it was from a place of like envy, like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm going to put you down because I'm tired of you throwing it in my face. You think you're better than me. Which, I mean, that's not a good thing. If we can interpret it two different ways, neither of them being the correct one, that's bad filmmaking. If I, you show me that the neighbor sees him breaking beer bottles on the court, I can then completely understand why she would call CPS. Yeah, and I guess it's, you know, and, and doing a little research, like it was the broken glass. They thought that they made them study too hard. And then like they would constantly have them play in the rain. And like the way the movie is depicted is like, oh, no, that was intentional because he's teaching them like, oh, the balls are different weights and all that stuff. And they're like, there's not sure how true that the reasoning behind it as much as he was just like, no, they made them practice before school and after school. They had to go and practice. And it's one of those things where like if you show just how, you know, on top of him he is. Again, it in the broken glass, and if you make them play in the rain a couple times, like it gives more context. As okay, I can understand why somebody would be concerned about the well-being of the children, as opposed to it just being, "Hey, you don't don't make those kids, you know, work so hard." Like, why? You all live in the ghetto. Like, this is an opportunity for them to get out of the ghetto. And like Richard makes that you know offhand comment, but again, it comes back to why is the neighbor so adamant that they shouldn't be doing that? Yeah, and it's something that essentially just sets up the CPS scene, which is, you know, what he'll put on the reel for, you know, you know for your consideration. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can have the, the teary, screaming monologue. Yep. But um, besides that, I mean, I, I think we can... That was most of what I had about the, the mind the gap, was that, again, there's just... There's significant pieces of this movie that are missing that I think... I mean, to your point, I think it would have added to the movie. It, like, we saw that duality, like, okay, 
again, I want to see how the media depicted him and then be like, no, he actually, like, he was a very family-oriented man. He was very much about empowering his daughters and making sure his whole family, like, to me, and maybe this is bad on me, but, like, I would have much rather them establish that the other three girls were not his biological daughters, but that he stepped up to be a father to them and became, like, and, and was their father, as opposed to just, like, we're not going to mention it, because I'm sure in the family's perspective, like, he was our dad, so we don't need in the movie to, spe- you know, to say that he wasn't our, our blood relative. I'm like, yeah, but I think that adds context to Richard, that he would just be like, no, I'm going to take all of you up, and we're all, like, I'm going to help elevate everybody. And it also, I think, adds a little bit as to why he might have been closer with venus and serena because the whole time i'm thinking like why is he only focusing on these two girls like what about the other three like does he just not like care as much i'm like oh well i mean they're technically not his daughter so like even if he is being very supportive there is a certain understanding as to why he would be more interested in the futures of venus and serena than the other three and again that's a context that you lose because they choose not to bring that up yeah and i think i mentioned on the dune review a couple weeks ago you shouldn't have to be super familiar with the source material to enjoy a movie. It should stand on its own. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you were a big fan of Venus and Serena and knew their backstory, you know, this movie would mean more. Those gaps that you mentioned would be filled. But what percentage of the population is that? Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect transition into Sports Crutch. Because I don't know what you're, what you wanted to talk about, but to me, Sports Crutch... For me in this movie was like this movie to me only works because you know the end because there's so much where it's just like of Richard kind of being an asshole to people or like where Richard just takes a chance. and You're like from a character standpoint, like, no, this would never play out this way. This would never work. And I'm like, oh, but it works because I already know that it works in the end. And I think it, it's twofold because what winds up happening is all of the tension to me is in the first half of this movie when they're living in the ghetto and you've got the gangs like there's moments where I feel actual tension, like real tension. When we got to the back half where it's the sports, I'm like, there's no tension in this because we know how this ends. We know what happens. We know that they're ultimately, you know, super successful. And like, I'm like, I want to know more about Serena, but like, I know Serena's like, we can deal with her living in the shadow of Venus because, you know, as, as the viewer, I know Serena goes to be the greatest of all time. She becomes the goat, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you, you give the, the movie benefit of the doubt because I'm like, oh, you don't have to. I don't have to be worried about Serena as a character because I know in reality where Serena goes. And I think that because they know, because this is a, a biopic or this is based on true events, they take advantage of that and not actually developing some of the characters and relationships as much as they needed to. Well, first of all, I a hundred percent agree when the movie transitions to Florida, it's a noticeable drop. The stuff in Compton, I was like, this might legitimately be a a great movie. It's got that feeling. Uh, But that only lasts for about half an hour. I think the other problem is sports is often used as a way to provide dramatic tension. But there's a line about Venus playing in juniors. She's like 96 and 0. She, She doesn't ever lose a match. Mm -hmm. So you can't I guess they wanted to stick to that part of the reality. So there's never any tension on the court until the very final match. And at one point she's playing a, 
another girl and the, the girl's father basically tells her to call it out even though it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we're going to have some dramatic tension with these more traditional tennis families kind of screwing over the Williams. But that that's like two minutes and then it never really happens again. Yeah, they just use that as an example to show, like, again, oh, the Williams, like, keep your head up and, and be above that situation. I'm like, that's cool. Again, it, it goes into, like, oh, some of the, the stuff that Richard taught his children and all that. But, uh, again, it just, it, it there's not a lot of tension in the movie, to your point. Once, once the drive-by happens, I think all of the tension in the movie is, is pretty much just poof, goes up in smoke. Because even the Child Protective Services, when that happens and you see the cop cars, you're like, oh, God, what happened? Did somebody get injured or something like that? And then you find out what happened. Again, it's one of those, like, we know the outcome of this, of what's going to happen here. And, you know, it, it's a stepping stone to get them to Florida because I feel like that kind of drove, or at least in this movie, narratively, it drove why they needed to, to reach out to Rick so they could go to Florida and be part of the tennis camp. But at the same time, again, there's just, you, you lose all of the tension after the... After the, I guess it's not even the drive-by. It's when the gang comes back afterward, after they've they've been playing in the rain, and they're like, hey, we see what you're doing there, we got you. And it's like, okay, so the gang isn't a threat anymore either, you know? Yeah, I think you needed to have, I won't say evil, but you needed a more villainous character in here somewhere. Like, even the meeting with uh, Dylan McDermott that I mentioned earlier, they have him smoking a cigar, so, oh, you know, he's a pompous asshole. But I'm like, the way the business meeting went, I didn't think they were getting that out of pocket for Richard to react that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, you're trying to make the establishment look like the bad guy. And, hey, for if you listen to this podcast, I love that. I love to make the establishment the bad guy. But I'm like, they're offering you a reasonable deal. If you don't want it, walk away. It's fine. Well, yeah, because the second half of the movie essentially is where they, whether they meant to or not, they essentially make Richard the antagonist, even though the movie's about him because it's about basically him stifling or stunting Venus's ability to go pro. And then on a Rick Macy, I mean, that man is a freaking saint because, I mean, all of his, if he was going to make any money off of them, it was going to be once they went pro and he got a percentage of their, you know, whatever their their success was later. But, like, up until that point, like, he's just, like, Richard is just pulling him along and pulling him along. And, like, it's another one of those where, like, Richard was in the, like, he didn't tell Macy what was going to happen until Macy signed the contract, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, by the way, she's not playing juniors. I'm not doing anything you want. Like, this is going to be done my way. And it's like, Richard essentially becomes the asshole, but like, again, they don't, I don't think they take it far enough for you to really, like, root against him, because again, the entire first half of the movie is him being a loving father. Yeah, I, I loved Rick Macy in this movie. But he doesn't feel like a real person because, to your point, he's a saint. I mean, Richard is literally, like, clowning him in his own club. Like, oh, hey, you want to borrow your own golf cart for about 45 minutes? The only time Rick Macy really even loses it is when he shows up after they go to Disney World. But even that situation is diffused easily. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... That that was I, I again I guess the the one of the biggest gripes is is that Richard they did not give enough of Richard's I guess harshness 
because that I feel like that's part of what they wanted to do with this movie was, oh, it's Oscar bait because it's it's showing you an unseen perspective on a you know a a, a character that you know a or a person that the media made out to be very difficult or or you know again rough. But I'm like, you still didn't give us that half. You just had you you took for granted that we would again know who richard williams was and i hate to tell you i don't i don't know who richard up until this movie i had no idea who he was i had no idea the story of venus and serena i just knew that they were freaking amazing tennis players you know well in a movie just came to my mind that i know you've seen think about tim mcgraw and friday night lights Mm-hmm. he's not a main character in that movie you know, but in his screen time, I think they do a great job of showing his duality. Can you imagine if he was the parent of a a, a superstar player? Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the sports crutch that traditionally exists to carry these movies along. Again, they were so dominant as players you can't even manufacture that that generic sports tension. So, mm-hmm. but with that said, let's move into our our fifth point of inspection here, the Brandy Bunch. So when I first reached out to you and told you this was one of the topics I wanted to bring up, you your response was I'm intrigued, and I didn't want to go into any more detail as to what it was. So the Brandy Bunch, I wanted to talk about it. We've we've brought it up multiple times already. That this is this was going to be an Oscar vehicle for Will Smith. That that was you know in many ways that was the intention of this film. But I want to ask you, what did you think about Will Smith's performance versus Angelou Ellis? I felt Angelou Ellis was far better in this movie, and apparently Will Smith did a great job of of you know kind of embodying Richard Williams. But Angelou Ellis's performance is what I wanted more of, like. I don't know if that her as Brandy was like that. I feel it was pretty accurate because, again, doing some research, apparently they changed a lot of the script where they made her a much softer. The original script had her as a softer character. And like, no, she would have never acted that way. And they, they portrayed her as as she actually lived um, or lives. But I, I thought she was phenomenal in this movie every step of the way. Like any scene that she was in, I was super engaged with, especially the the dialogue in the Florida home when she's talking about how she gave up and listen, I don't need the world to recognize my greatness. I know what I did and stuff like that. Like I was blown away. I was super happy with her performance in this movie. Uh, 100% agreed. And I thought maybe that's where you were going with it. And you brought up a great point. You know, Will Smith has got to do like the the physical acting to embody the character, whereas Angenu Ellis might not have to do that. But she felt like such a more believable character. Like I loved when Richard tries to leave the girls at the store and she's like, absolutely not. And then later kind of goes at him again. It's like, don't you ever try to leave my kids? Mm hmm. Uh, but she's always doing it in private. She's not having these fights in front of the kids. Uh, she was just the perfect balance of like soft, caring mother, but would tell Richard straight up when he was being an asshole. Yeah. And, you know, hey, basically, don't ever leave me out of plans, et cetera. Yeah, that again, another scene where where her and Smith share the share the majority of the the scene. 
after Paul leaves and she's like, are we, are we a team here? And she talks about like, listen, I'll like, I'll sit silently this time, but is that not a decision we should have made together? She goes, next time I won't be, I'll make you a fool. You're not going to make me look like a fool. I'm like, God, I just, her, her reaction to, to Richard Williams. I, I hope that that's who she really was or is in real life. Even that, like I even, it brings back memories of the scene. Like, when Serena is is sad because Venus is the one who's going to get off and train and she's sitting on the couch, she goes, you got something better. And Serena's like, what? She goes, you got me. And then they go and train. I like, I loved the scene where it's like, okay, Venus is getting the spotlight. She's training with Paul, but Brandy is still right there with her daughter taking care of Serena and still training with Serena and not letting Serena's dream die. And I'm like, to me, I, 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 again, I, I loved I loved Ellis in this movie. I thought she did a fantastic job with Brain. And again, wound up being probably the character I cared more about than Richard Williams. Yeah, and through your research, I mean, they're not married anymore, are they? No, Richard divorced her, I think, in like to around 2012. Or he, he married, I think, in 2012, the owner of a restaurant, and then since divorced that woman in 2017 but yes no they're not together anymore yeah and i know that's kind of a meta way to look at it and and we have no way of knowing how accurate you know angenu ellis's performance as brandy is but again that's just another strike against richard how how could you leave that woman Mm-hmm. yeah it, it, like we said it's just Richard is never portrayed as that kind of a person in this, with the exception of, again, you quit, you quit things, you know? And it's like, okay, we know he winds up quitting in the end, but at that moment, like, it's like, we don't... Again, I feel like there's so much of this movie is a lot of inside jokes or, you know, inside... Like, the the Williams, they understand a lot what's going on, but the audience still doesn't quite know. You know, like it's a greatest hits for them and they understand the context because they helped, I think, you know, refine the script. But like there's still a lot that as as the audience I'm missing in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it just serves to further the brand because I didn't know Richard Williams had a book. I'd kind of be interested in reading it to fill in those gaps. But as a standalone movie there needs to be a little more connective tissue as we often discuss. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not to say that this is a bad movie. I did enjoy the movie. It's just, there are definitely some to, to your, what you said earlier, like it's a good movie that could have been great. It's just, it was missing. It was missing a lot of context. I think that would have helped round out the movie to where you understand decisions that were made or, you know, why actions took place. And that's, that to me is, is a shame because, again, some fantastic performances in this movie. I, I honestly can't think of any performance in the movie where I was like, oh, my God, that was terrible or something like, like everybody did a fantastic job. I thought Tony Go- or Goldwyn as Paul Cohen was was good. I, uh, you know, you know how I feel about John Bernthal. I mean, as soon as I, oh, yeah. I, I go into these movies trying to see as little as possible. And when he showed up on screen, I was like, oh, my God, is that is that John? Is that John Bernthal? I was like, I was so happy to see him as Rick Macy in this movie. <laughs> um, and he's just a, a, a fun one because, like, I know him as, like, the Punisher in war movies. So it's always fun to see him just his 
the amount of range that he has because he's a very a, a fairly soft character in this movie and like again that's just not something i think you expect when you see john bernthal <laughs> oh no and, and we're gonna have a little more on bernthal later but you read my mind i think this could have easily been a mediocre paint by numbers movie but it is elevated by like like you said there's no weak link i love the two kids that played venus and serena i mm-hmm. thought they were very natural in their performances i almost got a it's not the same kind of performance but seeing natalie portman in the professional like oh these girls are going to be acting for a good long while mhm yep 100% agree Alrighty, sir. Well, if that's good for you, I think we can go ahead and move into some Chop Shop if you're ready. Uh, I am ready. Alrighty, this week in Chop Shop, I pulled miniseries. Uh, you pulled Blockbuster. So I think I'm more interested to know how you turned it into a Blockbuster because I feel like sometimes miniseries is, is kind of the is the easiest thing to do because you just kind of break up a movie and, and where you want more detail. So I'm going to take it first because I think mine's some low-hanging fruit. We'll get through it because, like I said, I'm, I'm very interested to know how you turned this into a Blockbuster. You cool with that? Well, I have something. Yep, but you can lead it oh. off. All right, here we go. So I think I turned it into a six-part... Yeah, six-part miniseries. Here we go. Episode one, Welcome to the Williams Show. Show opens with super cuts of the Williams sisters' accomplishments, much like the end of the movie. As the cuts continue, more of Richard's interview and footage starts to transition into his more controversial comments and moments, getting sprinkled in until there's no more Venus or Serena clips and it's just Richard clips. To me, this helps establish that this movie is about Richard, even though, again, we're going to talk about the accomplishments of Serena and Venus, who you're familiar with, right? Hard cut to Smith driving the van with the girls in the back. All five girls, uh, as they say, they're heading up to the club. We see Richard as a caring father and the girls having fun uh, as they're drilled doing the tennis drills. We follow a similar path as the movie with the gang, but this time Richard doesn't are uh, with the, the gang members. But this time Richard doesn't say anything and there's no confrontation. The family heads back with uh, with Richard and gets into the neighborhood uh, and delivers the which corner is she online again. I'm still following very similar beats because yeah, I thought fundamentally the movie was there. Um, similar confrontation as to, to which corner is your daughter working on line. When Richard goes inside, he can hear the girls telling their mother about the gangs. When she asks why, um, they moved, Richard replies, I told you the toughest fighters come from the ghetto. This is going to be good for them. Then Brandy pushes, um, that they don't need to live here. Richard doubles down on them being there for a reason. Again, I want to establish some of the more controversial decisions that Richard made early on. Because I think that's stuff that we missed in the movie. Episode 2, Destined for Greatness. The episode will open with Richard making the brochures about Venus and Serena. It will give us a better understanding of how he saw the girls and what he was hyping up about them. Because that's something I would have liked to have known a little bit more, the marketing behind them that he tried. Because I thought it was awesome he made those brochures. Like, <laughs> talk about like just dedication, right? 
No, absolutely. I, I smiled at that. The episode will conclude with them trying to sway investors um, and him going to his security job at night, highlighting phrases and messaging he finds in tennis magazines. The family will go back to the Compton Club where they will practice as a family again, only this time it will end with Richard getting beat. Uh, he takes his family home and puts the girls to bed. Richard and Brandy have a conversation about the dangers of the neighborhood and how they're not going to, uh, how they've got to find a way out if there's any chance of the girls succeeding. Richard understands and talks about his childhood and how he always had to fight and get beat up, but he isn't going to let that happen to his children. They're going to grow up strong and humble, and he's going to protect them. The next day, Richard takes Venus and Serena to see Paul. Scene ends with them pulling up and Paul uh, basically, you know, practicing with Venus and Serena in the background. Episode 3, Winning and Losing. Venus starts to play juniors, but Richard takes uh, is taken back with the, other, the way the other parents and children are acting. He enjoys seeing his daughter win, but begins to question if this is the right path. After a tournament, the family goes out to eat, and Richard leaves to contemplate his decision on the tennis court. The gang shows up, and the events play out very much the way they did in the movie, but Richard does not pursue the gang and sees uh, the leader dead returning home. So much more as to how it actually happened in real life. Because then we don't have to contemplate, is Richard a killer or not? It's just one of those, like, they get their comeuppance. And one of the things Richard, I guess, in real life is missing a bunch of teeth. And he takes that as pride because he lost a lot of those getting the shit beat out of him in the ghetto, defending his family. So, like, I think, you know, maybe playing to that a little bit more. He's not, you know, the, there isn't that moment where he's going to, to go and hunt people down and murder them. Um... Uh, let's see. Uh, the episode continues with the marketing pitch that causes Richard to pull Venus out of the juniors and Paul leaving. When Brandy calls Richard out for making the decision on his own, Richard tells her, just because them rich white folk ain't carrying, or aren't carrying guns don't mean they out to get us too. And then they go back. Uh, they've got to stick together because it's them versus the world. The next scene is the Williams practicing in the rain and coming home to the police and child care services. Uh, we have the protection speech. Because I thought it was solid. Again, you said that that you know that's going to be in his you know for your consideration. Real, the protection speech and the episode ends with Brandy confronting the neighbor and telling Richard it's time to go. Episode four, crazy for Macy. The episode starts with Richard paying kids to jeer the sisters on as they play on the Compton, or Compton courts. The gang watches from their cars, and when they go to leave, they ask Rick why he's he's paying the kids to trash his girls. Richard says they got to learn how to play through the hate because no one's going to uh, be looking out for them. The gang respects Richard's ways and says that uh, they've got his back going forward. After that, we basically chronicle the Williams meeting Rick Macy, much like it already happened. And in their journey across the country, the episode is dedicated more to the four or the five girls and their relationship and less on Richard himself at this point. The episode ends with the family pulling up to the house that they live in while, uh, while their uh, Venus and Serena are at Rick Macy's Academy. Episode 5, Fail the Plan, Plan to Fail. Uh, this is just a filler episode uh, that shows the family's transition into Florida. Uh, Richard making a bigger name for himself, getting more controversial, having interviews. Gives us, again, that establishment of this became kind of the Richard Williams show. Like Again, throwaway line in the movie, but I never saw him try and take more spotlight, so I would like to use an episode to kind of show where like maybe he's getting a little bit of an ego in, in trying to get in there. Um, and then, uh, like I said, just acts as a transition from when they started the Academy to Venus going pro. And then episode six is just an epic showdown at the, the Bank of the West Classic. The episode ends 
though, after the whole thing said thing, the whole thing is said and done, Richard is going to wind up pulling his daughters out of Rick Macy's academy and continuing to train them himself, which actually did happen. Like she went pro in ninety four, and in ninety five, he pulled Venus and Serena out and continued their training himself. Interesting. I did not know that. Yep. So, again, nothing fancy. There's just a couple places I, I wanted to clean it up, maybe expound uh, some of the, the areas. But eh, for the most part, again, just writing an outline for a miniseries, it, it takes a lot of beats from the movie itself. Yeah, it's incredible that Hollywood lately has had this habit of I'll watch a certain movie and think, and I mean, King Richard's a perfect example. I'm like, and Dune the same way. This would make a great four-episode, eight-episode season of TV. And then occasionally I'll watch seasons of TV and think, why isn't this a two-hour movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this material is ripe for miniseries. Um, and again, there was so much darkness left out of what Richard really did. Is If you, if you throw that into the pot, you've got enough material to, to expand this. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So, s- Blockbuster. How did you turn this into a Blockbuster? Um, well, it's going to be half-baked as usual. <laughs> but let me let me give you a couple of my influences. Rocky IV. Space Jam. And Independence Day. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Independence Day starring Will Smith. And before you get in, so, oh, sorry, just real oh, quick as a, as a side note, because you threw a Will Smith movie in there. Will Smith is one of those actors that's I think it's hard to separate. I think, you know, Owen Wilson is another one. It's hard to separate him from being Owen Wilson. It's hard to separate Will Smith from just being Will Smith. I do think that this movie did a pretty good job. There were definitely moments where like you kind of forgot that you were watching Will Smith, like and to his performance um, combined with kind of the makeup and the prosthetics and the fact that he did put on 20 pounds for the role and, you know, his, his physical acting. I'm like, there were definitely moments where I'm like, good on Will Smith. Like, I kind of forgot I was watching Will Smith, which I think is to his credit because he is just one of those faces and and the, his mannerisms, like, it's, it's hard to get past Will Smith, you know? Oh, completely agreed. I... I've got a lot of beef with Will Smith in terms of how risk averse he's been, uh, you know, as far as picking roles, he famously didn't want to do Django Unchained, but I hope this is a, a turn in his career. I, as Oscar Beatty as it was, I'm kind of rooting for him to win it. Yep, for sure. So sorry to, to cut you off. I just, it felt like the perfect time to bring that up. So here we go blockbuster all right so rocky four space jam independence day so i liked your idea of the highlights of venus and serena interspliced with richard williams being controversial so we'll actually open my blockbuster with that exact same thing uh but not in the future it's going to be kind of as Venus is blowing up and they're first starting to get some national attention. And this is going to draw the attention of 
some interdimensional space alien, <laughs> you know, who kind of just consumes American television. Okay. And this alien's going to kind of fall in love with the mystique of Richard Williams. Uh, you know, the alien's going to kind of be like, you know, this is an inspiration on how I should lead my people. And the aliens become so enamored with Richard Williams and the Williams sisters that they're going to go to Earth and kind of observe from the shadows. And the movie's going to play out much the same way that it has thus far uh, up until the drive-by scene. I so like Richard is going to show up. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like the idea that like these aliens are watching like through their interdimensional television and they see Richard Richard Williams as a leader of warriors as opposed to a leader of like athletes. Like there is that some level of confusion there that they see Serena and, and Venus as like up and coming warriors, you know, to, to battle on the courts. No, I, I like that because it's going to kind of lead to where this is going. Okay. So Richard is going to have the gun. He's going to be contemplating whether he's got to kill this guy to protect his family. And the drive-by is going to occur. But the shooters in the car, they're going to be the aliens. <laughs> and they're basically, after they do it, you know, Richard is walking back to his van and that's when they're going to kind of reveal themselves. And they basically say like, hey, we know what you were doing. We would have done the same. In fact, we did. But you're too important, Richard. We can't have you go to prison. We can't have you getting killed. That's why we took care of your, your dirty work there. So the aliens idolize Richard. And, uh, you know, you would say Richard's got a pretty big ego. So he's going to kind of become enamored with the aliens in turn. And there's going to be a lot of yada, yada, yada here. But ultimately, what's going to happen is the aliens, as you said, they're obsessed with war culture. They view Richard as a warrior they're going to basically convince Richard to join them and they're going to kind of take over earth. <laughs> and I won't say Venus is going to side with her dad, but she's kind of pressured to be on her dad's side in all of this. And it's basically going to become Brandy and Serena representing earth Richard and Venus representing this alien society. And the fate of Earth is going to come down to a doubles tennis match. Mother and daughter versus father and daughter, you know, sister versus sister, husband versus wife. My God. I mean, can you imagine the marketing for this match? And you know, Richard would be heavily involved in that as well. Um, the Rocky Four element, though, I want Venus and Richard to be dominating. 
and, and Venus kind of realizes halfway through the match, like this is this is not the way. Her father's being overbearing. She kind of uh, starts mailing it in so that Serena and Brandy can win. And the aliens are finally going to see, you know what, maybe Brandy is the type of leader we should be looking to. What, like, why are we trying to take over Earth anyway? And Brandy will give an impassioned speech at the end of the match after they win, a la Rocky IV. You know, Rocky IV, I don't know if you know this, it's actually a documentary about how the Cold War was won by the U.S. <laughs> I, I was just aware needed, of that, yeah. Yeah, I just needed a speech from Rocky Balboa. Uh, so I basically, like Brandy and her great parenting is going to win over the hearts and minds of the aliens. I'll open it up for you here if you have any comments. I, I mean... No, I love it. I was thinking, like, the, the moment Venus realizes that her father's wrong, I feel like it has to be, like, he intentionally, like, tries to, like, hit Brandy with, like, like just a, a real line drive, like, just fires it at her face or something like that, and, like, Serena has to save her, like, like she throws her racket or something like that, something ridiculous that you wouldn't actually see in a tennis match and manages to, like, knock the ball out of the way. But it's one of those, like, that's the moment where Venus realizes that, like, they're actually, like... They're playing for blood and they're their family and she she can't quite you know put herself in that position yeah it, it almost that's kind of the moment where the crowd even the alien crowd is like wait wait who are we rooting for here yeah, yeah just very clearly that he was trying to hit her and, and not trying to like best her just shot or anything like that he was actually trying to knock her out of the game yeah, it's no, it's no longer about sport. But I mean, I think it goes perfectly with what you mentioned earlier in the podcast. As great as Will Smith is, Angelou Ellis is the one that I'm drawn to. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be interesting to see a whole alien race kind of be enamored at first with that rah-rah, overbearing, military-style parent only to realize, hey, no, there's a different way to do this. Why well, even picture it, too? Like, after he takes a shot at her, she has to, like, that's where she, there's a little bit of that Florida speech comes out about the sacrifices that she made and all that, and they realize, like, oh, wait, maybe maybe Richard wasn't all he was cracked up to be, that he was only able to do that because of the strength that Brandy allowed him to have, you know? That she was the, the foundation, the pedestal that allowed him to achieve what he was able to achieve with the girls, but without her, ultimately, he would have failed too. Yeah, not only that, who's to say Venus and Serena become Venus and Serena if there's not that, uh, you know, velvet glove to the iron fist kind of uh, relationship? Mm -hmm. No, I like it. It was For a second, I, I was also starting to get some Galaxy Quest vibes too with the, the aliens that were enamored and then, you know, they wind up having to try and take him on and realize that maybe he's not all he's cracked up to be. But ultimately, I think uh, the the Space Jam <laughs> Independence Day and Rocky IV were, were definitely... That's the direction I understand you're going, so that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a way to make this a, a more realistic blockbuster, but I think that would have been more how the movie was shot, so hard to really yeah. convey on a podcast. No, I, I like the, the direction you went with that.
Alrighty, now that we're done with Chop Shop, we do have... The next segment is typically Blue Book, right? But... A, this is a, a movie, one of these HBOs that went to theaters and streaming at the same time, so I don't exactly have, you know, numbers that we can do a traditional Blue Book off of. I'm also going to change the... I do have a, a version of Blue Book we're going to do, but I'm going to switch up the order here. We're going to do tag and, and title first, and you'll understand why, all right? all right? Are you okay with that? You good? Yes, sir. All righty. So, Travis, I'm going to give you three movie taglines. One tagline is to the 2021 King Richard movie we just watched. One is going to be to a movie that I found adjacent, and one is going to be a tagline that yours truly created. What I need you to do, Travis, I need you to tell me what tagline came from King Richard. Are you ready? Hit me. All right. Here are your three taglines. Welcome to the Williams Show. He made a bet. She made history. Venus, Serena, and a plan for greatness. Uh, ooh, those are all not very good. <laughs> um, I think you made up Welcome to the Williams Show. Final answer? Uh, and context clue because you also use it in your mini series i knew i was gonna i dude i almost did tag and title first because i knew i was gonna do <laughs> that's like fuck <laughs> <laughs> um give me the last tagline again venus serena and a plan for greatness i think that's the real tagline yeah by be knocking out the william show i feel like that process of elimination like what other movie would have <laughs> venus and serena so yes venus is serena and a plan for greatness was the actual tagline for this movie and he made a bet she made history was to 2017's battle of the sexes uh okay the billy jean king movie yep okay so the reason I switched the order was for the very reason you were able to get tag and title because you uh, you metagamed me, you son of a bitch. So for a blue book this week, because I didn't have good numbers, what I'm going to do, Travis, is I'm going to tell you how much the estimated cost of King Richard was. And then I'm going to give you three movies I found adjacent to that, and I want you to try and guess how much you think they cost. All right? So okay. st still in the same vein. So King Richard, mind you, 2021 dollars cost $50 million estimated, all right? Your next movie is 2017's Battle of the Sexes. See, if I told you this, I feel like you would know that that was going to be the adjacent movie I chose, and you, again, you would, yeah. would have metagamed that. So how much do you think Battle of the Sexes cost that is starring Steve Carell and Emma Stone? I can give you any more information you want on it director writer any of that if you need it for context give me yeah give me the director the director was jonathan dayton and valerie ferris uh i'm gonna say 19 million 19 million yeah 25 million okay that's what that cost so half of king richard yep half of king richard in 2017 your next movie is Moneyball. 
Now, this was just, I felt another high-profile Oscar bait sports movie. 2011 starring Brad Pitt, uh, Jonah Hill. What do you think Moneyball came in at? Uh, I think that's a higher echelon of movie. I'll say 35 just because of its age. Okay. So in 2011, it also cost $50 million to make. Huh. Yep. So I, I did think that was surprising. And your yeah, last I'm trying to one. remember where all that money would have gone. Um, let's see. I can give you director here. Your director was Bennett Miller. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I know they filmed in real baseball parks. I don't know if that drove up the budget, but that seems awfully expensive. Yep. I mean, you also had some, let's see, Robin Wright, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Chris Pratt, which I honestly forgot Chris Pratt was in it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. And even then, that wasn't like top tier Chris Pratt either. So, yeah, I don't know where all the money went. And you said you had one more? I do have one more. 2004's Wimbledon. Oh, God. Starring Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany. Oh, your love for this movie is bizarre. <laughs> um, so those 2004 you know bucks, how much do you think? I don't think this is right, but I'm just going to say 50 million. 31 million. Damn it. I was going to say 35. So of the four movies, Battle of the Sexes in 2017 was the least expensive. So. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I haven't, I haven't seen that, to be, to be honest, though. Uh, I haven't either, but I do love Emma Stone. And, yep, yeah, I like Steve Carell a lot, too. So... But uh, yeah, I thought that would be just a, a fun little diversion of Blue Book since we didn't have, we couldn't actually do what it grossed or anything like that. So John Favre was also in Wimbledon. Oh, I did not remember that. Yep. As Ron Roth. But, and James McAvoy. There was actually quite a bit of, yeah, interesting. Sam Neill. Hmm. I'll be. Alrighty, sir. Do you want to give us a time capsule? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of saved him and, and prevented you from talking about him. <laughs> I mean, can we Johnny talk about B. Johnny Bernthal? Johnny B. I think I'm the only uh, one who calls also, him. Also, looking at his filmography, Brett, mm -hmm. maybe we will have to revisit Night at the Museum because he plays Al Capone in Battle of Smithsonian. Oh Jesus Christ! Listen, everyone has to start somewhere, right? Uh, but I just wanted to get into this man's career because I was introduced to him about a decade ago through Walking Dead. Uh, he was my favorite part of that show. I pretty much stopped watching once uh, he was, spoiler alert, killed off. So after the first season, you just stopped watching it? Uh, he made it through two seasons, Oh, did sir. he? Okay, he dies yeah. at the end of the first comic graphic novel, so I forgot they extended his story. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming they did because they realized they had an actual star on their hands. <laughs> um, but I can't think of an actor working today 
that number one just is in movies I like. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's very brief, but he typically steals whatever scene he's in. I mean, do you remember him from Baby Driver? Yes. I wanted more of him in Baby Driver. And and I think that's a theme that will come up over and over again. Uh, Sicario, I wanted more of his character in there. Uh, I don't know if you've seen The Accountant. I have not. With it's uh, it's solid, but again, he's not in much of it. But you want more. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, I mean, I wanted more Ford of him as uh, Iacocca. Lee Iacocca. Yep. Um, he's got a memorable, albeit tough, scene to watch in Wind River. Uh, he's in the Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, the Pacific. Widows, Shot I, Caller. I don't know if you've seen The Pacific, but he's one of the highlights of that miniseries. I've not, but now I want to. Mm-hmm. It is nothing like Band of Brothers, I'll tell you that, but uh, he is he is fantastic in that movie, too. Or not movie, miniseries. Sorry. Yeah, and of course you mentioned uh, he's The Punisher. Uh, he's uh, doing a television version of American Gigolo. <laughs> uh, that will be coming out soon. So yeah, just amazing to me. You know, a, a super hateable character on The Walking Dead, and now I think he's one of the best actors in Hollywood. He is somebody that you put his name on something, and I'm immediately excited. Like it's just, like I said, as soon as I saw him in on screen in this movie, I was like, oh fuck yes, I cannot wait to see. It was one of those I was honestly concerned that he was going to have a cameo because I didn't know the story of Venus and Serena Williams. So I was like, please tell me that he takes them on as the coach and I get more of him because I don't want it to be he shows up and says like, I can't do this and leaves. I'm like, I, I don't want him to be a cameo <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, now you mentioned it earlier. You know, in The Walking Dead and The Punisher, he's so great at playing a psychopath. But in this movie, he is so charming and... You know, when they show up at the Compton tennis court and he's just like the, the gangbangers show up and he's just like, oh, I, shoulder shrug. I'm just here to play some tennis. <laughs> like how one man can play both ends of the extreme. I, I applaud him. Yep. So here's to, to many, many more years of uh, of John Bernthal. Yeah, we might have to do a John Bernthal trilogy at some point. Uh, apparently there's an accountant sequel coming, so maybe I need to see the accountant so I can watch that. Now oh, that's been in development, quote unquote, for, for years. It's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 It doesn't even have a date on it. So. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, wanted to give some love to, to Johnny B. I, uh, I listened to a podcast with him on it. And uh, apparently he did extensive tennis training for this movie, even though he really just lobs balls over a net <laughs> so uh, he's dedicated to his craft gotta love it all right sir with that let's go ahead and wrap this baby up you know what uh what do you want to tell the audience for anybody who hasn't seen it that for whatever reason listened to our review podcast would you re- recommend watching it or would you uh yeah what are your your final notes I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I had low expectations, um, but I think it's something you need to watch. Even if you're not a sports fan, the, the acting across the board is excellent. 
And I think the release time, I know it's it's perfect Oscar bait season. But I think this is also a perfect movie to watch with, you know, if you have family in town for the holidays. I could see throwing this on after Thanksgiving dinner or, or later on Christmas dinner. Um, just a warm, enjoyable movie. Can, can I ask you one thing with saying that when you say a, a, it's a good, warm, enjoyable? Are you surprised that the N-word does not have the same regulation as the word fuck in movies? Uh, I mean, how many times has it said in this movie? I think three. I mean, the the Florida um, the Florida scene, they do it at least twice, if not three times. And I think the gang members say it a couple times, too, where I'm just like... I remember the gang members saying it, yeah. I am just surprised at this day and age that that word is not as scrutinized as fuck is in, you know, movies and stuff like that, that that wouldn't have pushed this movie into an R rating. I think context matters. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think, yeah, if you're making American History X and that word is being thrown around, that's an R. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, and maybe this proves your point, it didn't really stand out to me. But yeah, I guess that, that hurts the family-friendly element for some segments. Yeah, just out of curiosity, again, it's just one of those like... I know it traditionally hasn't, but is it, you know, with as much, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Like I, I am, I am a little surprised that, that that word and term is, is not more regulated and in, in media. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it. Sorry to cut but, you uh, off. What though. did you think of the movie? Oh, I did. I, I enjoyed it. I I think it is a little long. You got to be ready. You got to be in the mood to, to watch a movie. I do think it, you know, as many times it does about halfway through the movie. I think the scene when they get in the RV is when I looked up at the clock and I was like, okay, how much more of this movie is there? Because I was like, where else can they go with this? And that, that was the moment when the movie transitioned from the, you know, the Richard Williams and his girls movie to the okay Venus William or uh, Venus Williams origin story to me like that was it was a hard transition to where the focus was now more on Venus going pro than it was Richard bringing up the girls and that's to say that they didn't still pepper stuff in like when he's seeing about how the other uh, tennis girl became a you know basically a, a drug addict it was an issue there and again justifying his decisions as a parent. And what he, you know, making sure that the emphasis was on having fun with the game and then also being, you know, educated so that if they weren't playing anymore, they still had a future and stuff like that. But I definitely think that the the movie, I don't, it doesn't make a tonal shift in the second half of the movie, but I think the f a focus shift for sure. Um, and that's what allows that movie to kind of extend longer than I think it needed to be is because they start to tell another a, another story within a story. Um, but again, at the end of the day, enjoyable. I don't think you'll be disappointed watching the movie. Um, so yeah, I, I would say if, if you've got the time and, and you have even a remote interest in it, check it out. I would also say if you do, some of the, the stuff that's omitted from the movie is fun to research too. So I, I think it's worth, after watching it, going and actually getting some context to, to the story. Because again, it is essentially the the origin story of two of the greatest tennis players of all time, if not, you know, Serena, the greatest of all time. So just 
crazy accomplishment. It's almost like I want a sequel to this movie. It's just Serena's story because she is the GOAT. Yeah, and I even kind of liked, much like in the way Michael Jordan was a great athlete because he really dug into when people snubbed him. It makes me wonder if Serena went on to be the GOAT because of that initial hurt of not being you know, picked by the coach because they could only do one. Uh, according I thought to, the movie was going to do a little more with that, but the, yeah, Serena's mostly in the background, which uh, is kind of odd. Well, I mean, they have that throwaway line at the end of the movie where Richard tells her he knows that her being in Venus's shadow would get her to escalate so that she would be the greatest of all time. And then, you know, in the whatever at the end when they decide to give you the the updates that, you know, oh, she became the greatest just like Richard planned. Yeah, I, I don't believe for a second Richard actually had a plan written before their birth. <laughs> he didn't have a, but, in his know. plan, he didn't have, I'm going to have a second daughter and I'm going to put her in the shadow of the first one and it's going to make her <laughs> be the best of all time. <laughs> like, show me that plan, Richard, you show me that plan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, worth the watch, I would definitely say. I don't know if it's something I need to see in theaters, but I was glad to watch it on a streaming service. Yeah. It, it, funny that you say you didn't need to see it in theaters because I was having a problem with my HBO Max app on my Xbox. I had to watch this movie on my phone. Oh, my God. Well, again, <laughs> it's there's nothing like there's nothing you need the grandiose scale. Like even the the end tennis match was was not shot like an epic showdown like they they went through it had some some length to it but like it wasn't one of these like you would typically see in a sports movie where it's this epic showdown between the two of them i think there was yeah, more sure time the director of this movie hmm? loves that i am on a podcast reviewing it and i watched it on like an eight inch screen <laughs> but hey that just <laughs> yeah i don't know if the cinematographer's like what the fuck um, <laughs> You what? You what? Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Well, next week we'll have an insane, goofy sports dad movie with Over the Top going back to some classic Sylvester Stallone. So uh, we hope to see you then. Yeah, I was going to try to do Stallone, but uh, I'll save that for next week. <laughs> I was like, you, instead of giving us your, your typical quote from a movie at the end, you were going to give us a quote for the next movie? Oh, could you quote this movie in Stallone? As Stallone? Uh, yeah, you know, the only uh, line I've got written down, other than the, the popcorn one, is uh, Brandy's line about... Okay, I'll do it in Stallone. Get ready. <clears throat> She knows who she is. We've done our job. Bye. Alrighty, Travis, before we jump into five points of inspection, I would love to get your... Diag... Oh, yeah. Well, I had some good energy coming off of that one. <laughs> <laughs>